Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good evening to you. I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. And Nicole, I have gone easy on you for the past couple weeks. I haven't bragged on you for your (laughs) remarkable achievement winning the 2019 Global Humanitarian Award. Congratulations to you, Nicole. This is is just such a cool honor for you. Well, thank you. It really is. And I like to, uh, while I don't particularly like the the personal attention I've gotten from it, I do like the fact that it has shined, brought a light to the older adult and aging related services uh, issues that I'm very, very passionate about. So I guess anything that can bring some attention to the work that we all do because unfortunately a lot of times in this society we we view our elders as sort of the throwaway group and so it's really easy to raise money for children or arts or trees or pets or things of that nature but when you're trying to raise money and support for older adults unfortunately a lot of times people just don't think of that group so anything that we can do to bring awareness uh, is something that I'm super excited about. Well you've done a masterful job and this is formerly known as the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award, and you're you're an honorary doctor. Do I have to introduce you now as Dr. Nicole Cleggett? No, you don't have to stop. Okay. I've been harassed by that so much in the last few weeks, to the point where when people say doctor, now I turn my head. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, guys, stop. But um, but I do want to say, I had the opportunity last week to attend a really super special uh, celebration. It was the Transitions Life Care 40th Anniversary Provider Relations event, and that was amazing. A couple of hundred of our uh, local organizations organizations that support the work of Transitions Life Care attended, and it was a wonderful time, and it was really neat to have the founder, co-founder of the organization, Dr. Dunlap, come, and he did sort of a time capsule and pulled out all kinds of t-shirts and memorabilia of the years of when Transitions Life Care was in its infancy to where it is today. So that was a great event to really celebrate the heritage of that organization. It's a remarkable achievement there as well, and we did a a program, boy, earlier in the year where we... uh, talked all about the story of the beginning of Transitions Life Care. And if anyone wants to hear that, you can go to WPTF.com, head over to the Aging Matters section and just browse through the archives there and you'll find it. Uh, Dr. Dunlop uh, just just did an amazing job telling that story. He did. And he sure is a very, very good speaker. He, I, I, won't, I won't tell the story. If you ever run into him out and about, you can ask him about the story of moonshine. Oh boy, the story of moonshine. <laughs> that, that, that's a perfect tease right there. Well, let's get into the program tonight, Nicole. We have uh, a guest here on the line that I'm happy to introduce because we're going to be talking about dementia care and uh, a a form of care that people may not necessarily think of when it comes to dementia care. And we've got Steve Toll here on the line. He is with Comfort Care and he is a care enhancement specialist. Steve, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Oh, it's my pleasure. Great to be here. You know, I've been following you, Steve, and not in a stalking way for a number of years now. I guess that came out not sounding so great. But but I've always been impressed by your passion and your work related to music and our elders. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what we have found in research and in practice with the use of music as it relates to individuals with a cognitive impairment. 
Well, great. You know, and I, I'd like to sort of start off by talking a little bit about the history of this because yeah. it's very interesting how uh, how the the acceptance of music and care has changed over the years. I started doing this about 20 years ago, and my wife and I formed a company called Prescription Music. And we started to do this because I was playing, I've been a musician ever since I was 15 and playing professionally. I studied violin for many years, and I play guitar and I sing. And I was playing in a band, and this has gone back about 20-plus years. And I had always had a passion for the great American songbook, the standards, and just loved that music and grew up listening to it. And I picked up a guitar one time at a band rehearsal, and I started to play Embraceable You, the beautiful George Gershwin song. And some of the band members said, wow, I didn't know that you knew that kind of material. Mm -hmm. You should really go to a nursing home. I bet they would really love to hear you sing and play. And, you know, I had never really thought of it. And I did that. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first, the, the first place I went to was a Sunrise community that was brand new at the time. Mm -hmm. And I went in there, and I, they directed me into the, into the dementia care unit there. And I started to play. And I was amazed because the people that were there, many of them were very disoriented, and they didn't speak with words. And they started to sing the lyrics to the songs. They remembered the songs. They knew all the lyrics, and it just amazed me. And that's what sort of started my journey into learning more about dementia and really, really focusing the music and the care on people with dementia because I could see how it brought them out of themselves. So I started to work with that and, you know, fast forward many years later, and now music is very popular in care. People accept it and realize the power that it has. You know, and uh, right. it's really amazing. You're right. You know, I started working in the healthcare professions, particularly with uh, the emphasis on older adults and people with a cognitive impairment way back in 1997. So it sounds like we we're on a very similar path with, with the music piece. And, um, you know, mu we made music such a huge part of our special care unit for individuals with Alzheimer's and related dementia. And interestingly, part of what I wanted to accomplish at that community was really creating um, an opportunity for management staff to connect to the residents that live there and to help them renew their why. So really trying to help them remember why they do what they do. And there was a director of uh, human resources, and he played similar kind of thing. He played in a band sort of on the side, outside of work, and played the guitar. He sang. He was very, very talented. And I asked him to once a week go down to the special care unit and play for those residents. And would you know, about a couple of years ago, he emailed me, and he's since retired, and he said that was probably the most... Um, heartwarming thing that he ever did in his entire career, and he felt like it made him 
uh, better at hiring employees because he was down there every single week and he was with the residents and it made him want to hire the best people possible to work with those folks. And so music is, you know, really it's a way to connect people because a lot of times people don't really understand or they're nervous about how do I interact with a person with a cognitive impairment, especially children too. And so, you know, music's really that universal language and it really ties people together and and really uh, creates strong emotional bonds. Exactly. And that was really one of the, you know, one of sort of the discoveries about Mm -hmm. this was opening someone up with a song and learning about who that person is. And, you know, over the years, uh, I've developed something called a social history questionnaire, mm-hmm. which we use to learn all about the people that we're, that we're providing care for. But one of the, one of the uh, aspects of this is to learn about their sort of musical history. You know, who are their favorite artists? What's their favorite song? And it's amazing to me mm-hmm. when you can learn that, how that opens someone up. And the memory goes way beyond just remembering the song. The memory goes into who the person was with when they're listening to the song, maybe a, a special event, some, you know, something that they did that, that was significant, that, that, that was triggered, that event was triggered by hearing that song. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a tremendous way to get to know the person and realizing that someone who's, who's living with dementia is, you know, maybe very isolated socially. And and you bring up a very good point about that social connection. So that's one of the main reasons we use music also, to create that socialization for that person. Whether we're providing music in a group form, uh, in the form of a sing-along, where everyone is sort of united together in, in song and singing along and enjoying the music and clapping hands and laughing and having fun, or on an individual basis, a caregiver working with a, a, a client who's living with dementia and connecting on that very sort of intimate level uh, that, you know, they're both on the same sort of wavelength and the music is providing that conduit to create that connection. Very powerful. So, Steve, when we get back from the break, I would love for you to talk a little bit about how people can utilize music to help during this holiday time, especially when you have a person with a cognitive impairment. Because I think a lot of times when families are bringing outside family members together, it can be a little bit awkward when somebody may not have seen grandma or mom in the past year and there's been a decline and how we might be able to use that to really help bridge a gap. Sounds great. Looking forward to hearing your insight on that, Steve. He is Steve Toll. He is a care enhancement specialist for Come for Care, and we will continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, 
Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and our guest on the line is Steve Toll. He's a care enhancement specialist with Come for Care, and we are having a discussion on how music can be an effective treatment for dementia care. And Nicole, we were just talking about how we're approaching the holiday season here and how, um, you know, for those who may not have been around a loved one in, in quite some time who may be dealing with a diagnosis, uh, maybe a bit jarring to see how, how things have changed over time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I saw there was an interesting, uh, cute uh, YouTube and very touching YouTube video. There was a bunch of little children sitting together with grandma and grandma clearly um, was at the point in her disease where she had few, if any, words. And you could tell that the daughter was really struggling with trying to have the kids all have breakfast and have grandma stay seated because she was constantly popping up and down, wandering. And then suddenly... For whatever reason, one of the kids just started singing one of the like the little you know preschool songs, and the next thing you know, all three of the little kids are singing, and Grandma was sitting there singing and tapping her hands on the kitchen table, and Mom was able to get the food out on the table, and it was it was really quite beautiful that that child intuitively realized you know let's try this to see if we can get Grandma to sit so that everybody can eat a meal. So it was it was really sweet and special, and I mean that's the kind of magic that happens with music regularly. That is, that is very true, and you know. Uh, it's it, it's so amazing when families get together how music can be that sort of uniter. I mean, I know myself growing up, and my my I grew up in a musical family, and, and my mother was a piano teacher, and my father sang opera, and often you know we would get together. My father would sing, my mother would play the piano, and especially on holidays, everybody would sort of gather around the piano. And everybody would sing together. And really going back when many of our clients were, were, were younger, this is the kind of thing that people did. Yeah. You know, they didn't, you know, they, they, they had sing-alongs in yeah. the, in the, uh, when family got together, and that's what they did. So when we, when we do that with uh, people who are, living, who are living with dementia and, and seniors, you know, this is something that they're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. So when, when families get together, it's very natural for someone who's older to, you know, to fall right into that kind of, uh, of activity very easily. And, you know, you bring up a very good point about, about you know, children and singing songs and, and, and that whole scenario can really normalize the situation for someone with dementia. And, the, you know, you can view someone with dementia as just as just very sort of normal and mm-hmm. part of the part of the whole social setting when we introduce the music and especially around the holidays everybody knows the seasonal songs right. whatever you jingle know, bells or what have you yeah yeah and, <laughs> yeah. and, and whatever faith that you, you may you, you may practice you know every every uh, you know every group of people from from anywhere any ethnic background any religion there are always songs that unite and especially in our in our culture here no matter what you are everybody knows the everybody does the Christmas songs. Yeah, for sure. And it's a lot of fun. So I guess, how how would you recommend for those listening who are thinking, okay, maybe this would work for my family, how would you set up an activity like this for success? Well, one of of the things is to, 
you know, sort of learn a little bit about the person with dementia and the music that they like. So if you if you know that uh, you know. Uh, mom loves to listen to Frank Sinatra singing a particular song. Those kind of songs that you have sort of in your repertoire, sort of make a list of those songs. And, you know, many of these things are available very simply. Uh, and, you know, whether you, you actually get the music and play, if you're, if you're someone who plays the piano or the guitar and you sing songs, that's one way. Or just listening to the songs. One of the greatest things out now really are the uh, the voice activated uh, devices you know like the Google Home or the or uh, the Amazon Alexa calling up those songs is so easy and you just basically ask for it and if you have an account with Amazon you know then it's going to play that song and you can sing along so these are you know that's one little tip that 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 works very well but one of the things that's that is really important whenever you do any kind of an activity like this is to make sure that the distractions are limited. Mm -hmm. Someone living with dementia, it may be very distracted by a lot of activity. So when you're doing the music, set it up so it's sort of in a calm setting and, you know, everybody can be having a good time, but, but everybody can be a little more cognizant of sort of the startle effect and the way someone with dementia sees and, you know, approaching from the front, really being uh, aware of making a lot of eye contact, getting down on someone's level so that it doesn't seem like you're towering over them, and just making it a kind of a, you know, a very nice, peaceful kind of thing without too much excitement make sure there's about a good amount of light in the room, uh, make sure that everybody's comfortable, and, you know, those kinds of things really go a long way in, in making it a successful activity. Well, I really appreciate those tips for sure. And so I know that Comfort Care has a special program that they utilize with their clients called Dementia Wise. Talk to us a little bit about that specialized training. Yeah, this is a this is a training that uh, that we have developed, and this this training has been recognized by the uh, Alzheimer's Association for meeting all of the uh, dementia care uh, practice recommendations. And basically, the 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 program is based on twelve tools. We have the twelve tools of dementia wise, and these cover um, sort of the the uh, how shall I say sort of social aspects in a way, how we are coming off to someone who's living with dementia, you know, and this is very critical, and I touched on this in what I said earlier about how you approach someone, but it is really critical to, to sort of assess how you're coming across, mm-hmm. because someone who's living with dementia is very aware of the, they have a very rich emotional life. In other words, they are still very able to have all the range of emotions, and they are going to also pick up how you are feeling. Right. So our first tool is check yourself. And yeah. by that, we mean that, you know, 
how are how, how someone perceiving you you know how do you feel or you know do you have a nice smile on your face and right. leave that baggage that you have you know worrying about this or that leave that outside of the relationship with the person that you're working with whether you're a family caregiver or a professional caregiver this is a critical piece well, yeah. because it, they will pick it up. In a similar way, you know, children, um, it's when people are lacking some of the verbal communication skills, just like children are, you know, their brains are developing. And, you know, my six-year-old daughter one day, not too long ago, I think I was having a bit of a crazy week. And she's like, Mom, how come you're not smiling? Do you still love me? And I was like, oh, dear, that's not good. And then she walked into the room and she had a little slinky and she was holding the slinky and she put the slinky together. She's like, Mommy, this is you. And then she stretched the slinky out, and this is you when you're stressed. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear. But, I mean, body language is paramount. So definitely, you know, as you said, je- checking your baggage at the door and also, um, you know, remembering that even with people with complete cognitive intact um, abilities, we perceive about 80% of our communication through the nonverbal side of things. Right. Right, exactly. And, you know, and then after you do that, then the next step is, and tool number two of DementiaWise, is make a meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is where you have the opportunity to greet the person, warm smile, coming from the front, approaching, introducing yourself, calling them by name, you know, sort of setting up. The, the 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 scenario for a successful uh, you know social connection and that's a that's a very critical piece you know and and we look you know we all we're all affected by that whether you whatever your your cognitive level is you know I mean I know myself you know if I if I'm at a restaurant and the the, the waiter comes up and says what do you want <laughs> it's a lot different from you know from a nice from a nice right. greeting the tip will be reflected <laughs> just kidding <laughs> but but seriously right? yeah yeah so that that is a that is a critical piece and then you know the next tool is effective two-way communication. Yeah. Very important thing. And now that communication, and you mentioned about body language, communication goes way beyond words, especially with someone with dementia. But in also, when we're verbalizing, when we are you know, giving instruction or helping someone to do a particular, whether it be a, a, a personal care task or some meaningful activity that we're doing together, that we're very cog- conscious of not of not confusing the person. So we definitely One step at a time. We definitely appreciate all of the tips that you have, and I know there's a lot more to that program. Um, and for folks who want to get a hold of Comfort Care Home Care, if you have in-home needs for a loved one who needs assistance with bathing, dressing, grooming, transportation, or even socialization, how do they go ahead and get a hold of this agency? Well, uh, our agency is located uh, in locally here. We we have. We have franchises and agencies all over the country. We have 200-plus locations. But right here in Raleigh, uh, our, our uh, office is in Raleigh, and uh, the owner there is Andre Vitrano. And you can get a hold of Comfort Care in Raleigh uh, on the website. You can visit uh, www.comfortcare.com. And in this area, it will come up with the uh, with the local with the local office. And if you want to 
if you want to call by phone, the phone number for the local office is 919-647-9150. You could reach ComfortCare at ComfortCare.com also. That's 919-647-9150 or online at ComfortCare. That's almost like comfort, but without the T, care.com. Steve Toll, he is a care enhancement specialist with ComfortCare. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. My pleasure. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. And Nicole, the holidays are rapidly approaching. And, you know, during this time, we like to talk about uh, some things that families eventually go through at some point, and that's grief and bereavement. And to do that, we're going to be having a conversation on coping with grief during the holidays. And we've brought in someone special, and that's Haven Parrott. She's the Bereavement Outreach Coordinator with Transitions Life Care. Haven, thank you so much for coming on the program this evening. Thanks for having me. It's always nice to bring someone from the family on air, for sure. (laughs) One of us. One of us. Yes, yes, for sure. So, yeah, I, I love, you know, every year we do this topic, and I think it's incredibly important because the holidays tend to bring up so many different emotions. You know, from the from the very good positive feelings to you know just realizing that somebody used, who used to be at the table just isn't there anymore. Yeah. So, I think a couple of directions I'd love to go this evening. Uh, number one is you know kind of how do you deal with that personally when you're kind of trying to put on that happy smiley face for everybody around you, but you're feeling that sense of loss. And then on the flip side, how do we support that person? Yeah. And because it gets really awkward. I mean, mm-hmm. just like in our previous guest, you know, we were talking about how do we talk or how do we behave or communicate or interact with a person with a cognitive impairment, that can be awkward. Similarly, you know, we can have that same experience if someone's experienced a recent loss, too. Right, right. So, yeah. So thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I, um, yeah, holidays are... It can be stressful whether or not you're grieving. So yeah. holidays just tend to... Can be <laughs> are. They are. They just really are. And <laughs> hence, so, hence the slinky. Mommy yes. stressed, mommy not stressed. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that grievers are the only ones who sometimes think that if they could just get, get in bed before Thanksgiving and wake up sometime mid-January, that would not be a bad thing. But, yeah. uh, but of course, in loss, holidays just take on a whole new layer of stress. Um, you know, people think it's going to be the day of the the Thanksgiving dinner or the the holiday gathering that's going to be the real uh, kicker, and oftentimes it's the anticipation, mm-hmm. the dread of of uh, the build up towards that day that is that is harder. And the reason holidays are hard is is because the hallmark of holidays is for most people it's not the gifts, it's not the decorations, it's not. Uh, all the trimmings and trappings, it's the together, togetherness, it's yeah. being with. And so holidays really do get vacated of meaning when the person you want to be with is 
is no not there. there. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I know myself personally, you know, obviously, you know, I've lost both sets of my grandparents. I lost my mother a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's kind of started around the time my grandparents passed. I Sometimes I just feel like I'm not exactly happy around a holiday date. And I'm like, well, why? I mean, I've got mm-hmm. healthy children. I've mm-hmm. got a great husband, mm-hmm. a happy family, or, you know, great company I work for. And then I start to realize, well, maybe I'm mm-hmm. like just for mm-hmm. some, even it's a subconscious, you yeah. know, I'm just missing a piece of Absolutely. kind of what, what my heritage has been growing up. Yeah. So even not even a fresh loss, right. but the, the resonating up. of um, of all those holidays together and those traditions. So, uh, and also, you know, that's, it's, it's the season, we call it the most wonderful time of the year. There's and songs that say that Yes. <laughs> and, you know, happy holidays and Merry Christmas and, you know, just what's inside. Grief is such an invisible, isolating experience because uh, you know you look fine on the outside and inside it's anything but fine and um, so everything around the season everything about the season is screaming happy and merry and uh, that is just not the case of what's going on inside of you and that's hard to deal with it's also the year uh, if particularly if it's a fresh loss um, it's the year of lasts last year we were our right. last Christmas, we did this, and that can be particularly hard as well. Um, so we use, at the Grief Center, we use uh, an acronym with the word COPE uh, to, to teach folks about coping with grief at the holidays and to give some ideas and suggestions. Uh, you can get through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be pain. Uh, that is inevitable. Uh, but there are ways to... Uh, you know, the way out of grief is to grieve mm-hmm. and to extor- externalize um, the pain and to try to find ways to preserve connection. Uh, so we use this um, this acronym, COPE, C-O-P-E. Uh, the first, the C is for the compassion for self. Mm-hmm. Just trusting that there is no right or wrong way to mm-hmm. grieve. There's only your way to grieve. Sure. And so holidays or any day, uh, just trusting that that it's going to be different for you than it was than it is for anybody else. Um, grieving is pretty much a universal experience, but it's also completely unique to the individual because the relationship you had with with your person was completely unique, and so mm-hmm. you will grieve differently than anyone else. But the one key is to uh, to just be try to try and be gentle with yourself. Um, I find that people are much more compassionate towards other people who are suffering than they are when it's their time of suffering. Oh, yeah, because you all suck it up. Yes, you got to be okay. Let's just get through this. Yeah, we teach several um, self-compassion exercises, very simple things, but one of my favorites um, is, and of course all self-compassion and all just resilience exercises um, come back to your breath Mm -hmm. in many cases, just taking a moment to breathe and breathe deeply. But we suggest a lot of times just putting a hand on your heart, breathing, taking a few deep breaths, and just saying either to yourself um, in your head or out loud, I am doing the best I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yep. am doing the best I can. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, several several Christmases ago, my husband and I had a very kind of just, there was a lot of losses going on, a lot of things going on in our lives. And, you know, a, a good friend of ours said, you know, why don't you use our beach house this Christmas? Mm-hmm. 
And it was just a very different, like, just taking us out of what we traditionally did and just plopping us into a different spot. We could do whatever we wanted mm-hmm. to do. We got, you know, we ordered, fro- we got frozen shrimp and we cooked it up mm-hmm. and we walked out on the beach and somebody had decorated this little shrub to look like a Christmas tree. And it was just a different year and it was absolutely perfect for us. Well, and that's a great way to acknowledge grieving gives you permission to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Things are different. Mm-hmm. You are different. Right. Your, the landscape of your life is different. Your holidays can be different. Yeah. And, and, so, it, and it was okay reassess. and it was great. Yeah. We actually mm-hmm. we actually enjoyed that time yeah. versus trying to make it be something it wasn't going to be. Right. Or to try to do it the way it's always been done and things are not the way they always were. Right. Um, and just acknowledging that. Uh, the O in COPE is open communication. Uh, just being open about what your needs are, not being afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no is a complete sentence. And when a com- an, an invitation comes that you're not ready for, you can say no. Um, or you can say, you know, I, I would like to come. I hope to come. I just don't know exactly how that day is going to go for me. Mm-hmm. This thing is up and down. Um, right. You know, so thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. If it's I, not a reflection of my relationship with you if I don't come. Absolutely. Yep. Um, would it be okay if I decide to come Uh, Would it hurt your feelings if I left a little early? Right. I'll stay as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Or, no, I don't think I'm ready, but thank you for asking, and please ask me again. Right. Uh, So so that kind of things. Um, You know, trying to help other people uh, with know how you're feeling and know that you appreciate it, but also that you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think open communication, too, uh, between uh, family members or folks who are grieving the same loss, but of course not grieving them the same. Right, and then not judging another person. Right, that really happens right. within families when everybody's grieving. Like you know, well, I'm over it already, or why are you so upset about this? Right, and, and just kind of getting nitpicky with each other. And a lot, a lot of times, I find that uh, some, somewhat people who are grieving the same loss, uh, people will think that the other person wants things to be exactly as they've always been and they're assuming that they have to be a certain way or prepare a certain meal because the other person will want it and and if they would just talk about it (laughs) a lot of times people are fine skipping the collard greens or the (laughs) or whatever uh you know whatever sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves so open communication between grievers who are grieving the same loss and who will be going through the same holidays uh, around that loss. Um, P in the COPE acronym is uh, planning. You know, it's it's a really busy time. There's a lot to do. There's a lot you can do. It's hard to know ahead of time how you're going to feel. Uh, you may make a plan to go to the Thanksgiving dinner, and then uh, it's really important that, okay, that's your plan A, but have a plan B. Because you may wake up that morning and it just is not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sad day. And um, so, so plan B, B, may you stay home with some popcorn and a photo album. Uh, many people tell us that if they have a plan B, they don't actually use it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about knowing you have it. Something to fall back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something, like an out, an escape if you need right, it. Right, if you need yeah. it. And so planning is really important. Um Deciding ahead of time what your limitations are and and kind of reading yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are great tips. And we're going to continue our conversation with Haven Parrott. She is a bereavement outreach coordinator with Transitions Life Care. And we are talking all about coping with grief during the holidays. And we'll continue right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680. 
WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and our guest in the studio is Haven Parrott. She's a bereavement outreach coordinator with Transitions Life Care, and we're talking all about coping with grief during the holidays. And Haven, you have uh, given us uh, a worthy acronym, COPE, and we had just gone through uh, part of P, and then we're, we're going to move on to E from yeah. there. So E uh, is, in the COPE acronym, is engaging in self-care. And, you know, it, it is an art uh, and a skill to learn to manage the natural chaos of the season. Um, but it's really important to find interludes where you have some emotional and spiritual respite, uh, not only when you're grieving, but especially when you're grieving. And maybe that means a quiet walk. Maybe that means just giving your time, yourself time to reflect on last year, on your memories. Uh, maybe it means listening to music. Maybe it means just relaxing in a, in a bathtub or in a, in a way that is um, helpful to you. But uh, another way that you could really take care of yourself might mean that you reach out for mm-hmm. support. It may mean that you talk to a trusted friend or uh, a loved one, a spiritual leader, uh, a Transitions Life Care grief counselor, uh, that you can certainly give us a call. And uh, we do provide grief counseling at no charge with professional licensed counselors. And that is a great way to support yourself, to give yourself a gift um, during the holiday season to engage in self-care. Um, and interestingly, I, I encounter a lot of family caregivers who have loved ones with life-limiting illnesses mm-hmm. and or the trajectory of such, right? It may not be this year, next year, a couple of years from now. And they really experience a lot of anticipatory grief, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. And so putting so much extra pressure on themselves to making sure that this holiday is just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. while their loved one is continuing to decline and deteriorate mm-hmm. because they don't know what the next year is going to be like. Mm-hmm. How do you, can you use something similar in this process or how do you help somebody work through that? Well, yeah, I would, I mean, I, I think that anticipatory grief when you lose somebody day by day, yeah. when, you know, it is a particularly hard thing. And, and, and thinking about what it is that's really important, realizing that there's so much energy being drained in the caregiving, um, that, that what you really want to do is make sure that you're taking care of yourself, which is the self-care, so that you can mm-hmm. take care of, of the person that you, are, um, that you are caring for. I do think the COPE acronym helps a lot with that, the communication the um, the open the open communication the the um, planning uh, preserving the energy um, and preserving connection when the person is still alive what are those things that are 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 particularly special to that person and if you're mourning the loss of someone who has already died how do you how do you lean into the grief and and, and preserve the connection, the memory to that person. Do you leave an empty chair at the table? Or if that's too too painful to do, do you give a gift perhaps in that person's honor 
ways of preserving connection. And that's what you're trying to do in anticipatory grief, too, is to preserve that connection with that person. Well, and I would and I would definitely bold and italicize communication mm-hmm. because a lot of times people are just so worked up with what's going on. They're not even including that individual in the decisions exactly. that are being made for the holiday. And right. so maybe that person wants a beach Christmas this mm-hmm. year, right? Like yeah, maybe, maybe they just want something completely different because it's a lot of stress and pressure for them to even be facing their mortality. And yes. so maybe they don't want to even yes. be thinking, well, this probably is my last Christmas, so let's do something completely different. Exactly. I mean, and so I think we all just get all so worked up in the hysteria of the holidays sometimes that we're just, we just break down on so many levels. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, I think that if you are, whether you are supporting someone in a caregiving situation or whether you have a friend who is um, inactive, fresh, freshly grieving, um, we all want to help, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we it hurts when people hurt, mm-hmm. and we want to help folks in their pain. Um, the first thing I, I say to the people, though, is to practice your own good self-care. Um, look at your life. Do you have the capacity to, to, to really help. support mm-hmm. somebody in grief? Um, because that can be quite intensive. Um, and so be realistic about, about the time that you have and the grieving person and the extent of help you can offer. And then another thing uh, to help someone in grief is to say the name. Yeah, people avoid it. Yeah, they do. And there is probably no sweeter sound Mm -hmm. in the ear of of a a grieving person um, than the name of their beloved. And uh, to say that name and to tell those stories and and to um, remind the griever and yourself of memories and of, of certain, you know, things that have happened is such a gift um, mm-hmm. to say the name. And I think I've run into people all the time. They're just scared to bring the person up because they don't know how to respond to what they fear as a catastrophic emotional reaction. Right. And well, what am I going to do if right. they break down in front of me? Well, and the thing is, the person, the griever has never it has never left their mind. It's not right. like you're going to remind them. Right. And you I know? think people think that that's because everyone puts on such a great face. Right. right. Yeah. Because it's invisible. It right. is invisible. Right. And people do look very normal. Yep. And, and But it's not like they've forgotten. And um, so... <laughs> You know, just saying the name is is such a gift. Um, uh, Following the griever's lead is really important. If a person wants to talk, then listen. If they don't want to talk, if they'd like to just get a coffee or a movie, that's a great respite. That's a great distraction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just need that. Um, Being really careful that you're not advising or telling someone else what they need to be doing. Um, Even if you yourself have experienced the, the grief process and there are things that helped you or you were you'd you'd like to share every That's, grief process is different, is different. even within yourself right there's how you grieve for your mom may be different than how you grieve for your child absolutely. or your husband i mean there's just not a right yeah. or wrong way and there's such a very very wide range of responses to grief um, all of which are normal and so just if you are going to share an insight or a story just share it in a in a real gentle way like you know when i know everybody grieves differently but when i was grieving this helped me that mm-hmm. might be helpful but not any advice or finger pointing and yeah. um and just to remember at, at the holidays you know all emotions are allowed uh, we think that our emotions somehow have to be monolithic we need to be happy or we mm-hmm. need to be joyful or we need to be peaceful and the truth is that as human beings we hold contradictory emotions all the time mm-hmm. in tension so it is it is perfectly uh, appropriate to have a few moments of peace 
and acceptance and relief and gratitude right in the midst. Been angry? Of <laughs> ang- yeah, right yeah. in the midst of heart-searing pain. Mm-hmm. And all of that is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is. And to hold all of that together. So I guess for folks that are um, have a loved one, and, and this may be something that people listening may not realize, to access the Transitions Life Care Grief Services, that there's no charge. That's correct. And you do not have to have lost a loved one on the services of Transitions Life Care. So if you've experienced any loss. That's right. With, it doesn't any, matter how. Any death-related loss. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You are able to access those services to yes. Transitions Life Care yes. at no charge. And so how do folks... You know, do they need a doctor's referral or do they place a call or send an email? How does this work? No, they don't need a doctor's referral. In fact, we don't take doctor's referral. Everyone is self-referred and it's just a very simple matter of calling our our counseling office, which is 919-719-7199. And leaving a message or telling the receptionist that you'd like to talk some to someone about our programming or grief services or uh, individual counseling and we will get you uh, set up. And one of the th- really special things that Transitions Life Care does that uh, we don't really talk a lot about on this show because our focus is caring for older adults and, and the family caregivers related to that, but there is an amazingly robust children's grief program Absolutely. as well. And yes. so, you know, children are also experiencing, you know, grief around the holidays or grief any time of the year with the loss of a loved mm-hmm. one. And so that is also another service yes. that is provided as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Our grief. Uh, children's counselors are absolutely phenomenal and and yes and same number uh, same process to give us a call to find out more about that that phone number again 919-719-7199 or you can go to transitionslifecare.org haven parrot bereavement outreach coordinator with transitions life care thank you so much for coming in this evening we appreciate it you're welcome thank you we are out of time for this evening i want to remind everyone transitionslifecare.org is the website to go to to find more information and nicole we uh look forward to having another program next week on behalf of nicole cleggett i am jason kong thanking you for listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on news radio 680 wptf have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.